I'd like to introduce our speaker, Barbara. Hi, I'm Barbara. Compulsive overeater, and I'm really, really grateful to be here. Although I wasn't feeling like that part of the day, this is my second meeting, and um, I thought, God, I'm doing back-to-back. I'm speaking tomorrow, but I love this is such a great format for a meeting. And 40 minutes sounds like such an interminably long period of time. You know, this world that we live in now, everything happens like little sound bites. And 40 minutes, so I may like stop in 10. I have no idea. Um, I came. I'll tell you my story, and that's what I'm here for. Um, I can say that God has created what you see here before you. Um, I came here in 1975 in June, and I was 25 years old. So I'm a lot older now, and I'm a lot thinner. Um, I weighed 180 pounds, and I had been up to 189, and I, my life was just just very dark and dreary, like tonight. Tonight seems a little dark and dreary, except we have a wonderful wonderful opportunity to create recovery and joy, and, and, and uh, I think a, a wonderful evening and future right here in this room by changing our ideas, which is what this program is about for me. I came here believing that I could not lose my weight, and I was proven wrong. And it took me about six months to surrender and to really to, to really get into the, the program, meaning taking the first step and admitting that I was really from the bottom of my heart that I was powerless over food and turning my will and my life over to, that was the first three steps, to a power greater than myself that I, I now call God and that I didn't understand. Um, I started eating as a teenager and out of control very quickly. I started the 10th grade and I think I was 115 pounds. By the time I graduated high school, I was 153. I'd been on many diets. I tried everything at that time that was known to, to mankind other than pills because I had this funny idea that a pill, I didn't want to give a pill the credit. I took a pill and I magically got thin and it would get the credit for me getting thin and I wanted the credit for that. I have a little bit of an ego. I didn't know that for a long, long time. Um, and I came to this program and I, I decided to abstain no matter what because of the, the pain that I was in. I had suicidal thinking. I just have to tell you a little bit about the emotional component of what my thinking was like. And it was very dark. I, I was depressed. I was angry. I was depressed and I was angry. I was depressed and I was rageful and I was, I, was, I was turning my anger at myself. I didn't usually rage at the world. I raged at myself. Um, and it took me a long time to really have an, an understanding of what that was about. Once I got into the program and I stopped eating, um, I couldn't really do that anymore. I, depression was not an option. And I, I, I found out that... Um, Along with I don't eat no matter what, I found out that I really can't be depressed no matter what. Because in that first six months in the program, I abstained for six weeks until a series of reasons happened. One was a a person that I was traveling in Europe for a year before I came into the program. Actually, about more than a year before that. And I traveled for a year solid, and it was a friend of mine. She came to stay with me and for three weeks, and that is like, you know, a house guest turns into a house pest after about three days, and she was there for the, with me for three weeks, and I couldn't deal with it. I really couldn't deal with it, and so I started eating, and the moment that she, I put her on the plane at LAX, 
I went to a meeting the next day and I abstained for four months and then I found another series of reasons to, to eat. And God willing, that was 31, more than 31 years ago and I ate three meals a day and nothing in between. And what was required was a really complete reversal of my thinking about food. And of course, since that time, because this, this thing is not about food, guys, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit because uh, there's probably some people here that may have issues with food, like me. So I may have, hopefully, something to share with you. And the, the kind of thinking that I had to reverse was the idea of a diet. That was one concept I had to let go of. I let Diets never worked to me, for me. I'd been on diets from the age of 15 to 25, and I only got heavier and heavier. And very, very brief intervals of losing my weight, and then I'd just jump on the merry-go-round and I'd gain my weight back, plus some. So by the time I had made that, taken my first three steps, which was December 2nd, 1975, I knew that diets didn't work. Along with that were a couple of diet um, elements that I thought were requirements when we went on a diet previous to coming to the program and surrendering. That was going to the gym. So I threw that idea out. Forget it. Don't go to the... This is about recovery from compulsive overeating. It's not about going to the gym X number of times a week or not talking to your mother or any... This is about recovery from compulsive overeating. That's our primary purpose here. That is it. And I really got it. So I didn't go to the gym. I didn't do any kind of exercise for, I think it was maybe a year and a year and a half at least, because I had to just focus on the 12 steps and coming, to, I went to 7 to 12 meetings a week in my first three years, and and I let go of certain foods that, that told me I was on a diet. Cottage cheese, forget it, I didn't eat cottage cheese, grapefruit, forget it, or grapefruit. There's just certain things that to me meant diet, and so I had to turn that thinking around because every moment of my day I was focused on what my purpose was, and that was to abstain no matter what. And it, it also started with the evening before writing my food down. And I put it down, I got a little notebook like this big from the grocery store, I wrote down how much I weighed, and I wrote down BLD, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and what was I going to eat, and how much was I going to eat. And I weighed myself once a month. Another concept that was brand new was weighing myself monthly. Monthly, because weight fluctuates. I could feel really bad if I'm jumping on and off the scale, and I couldn't get into that because I felt so fragile. My abstinence, even though I said, actually, you know, this, I'm not going to eat no matter what, I, I didn't articulate it for a while. I just knew I had to do it, that I had to do this deal one day at a time no matter what. No matter if the plane landed wrong, if the cat got sick, the car was in the shop, um, I, I was fired from a job, or some, something much worse than that hap uh, would happen, which certainly has in the last 31 years. I've had a lot of life to live, and I don't eat no matter what. So I, for me, to, I always went back to that concept. If I'm, I cannot eat no matter what. If I allow myself to eat over anything, then I can eat over everything. So I had to dispose of that idea entirely and to say that no matter what, no matter what. And so what that required was 7 to 12 meetings a week. So this was my goal. This is my focus. And so I inhaled everything like a sponge, like these two young women in the front, I wrote, I took notes for years when I went to a meeting. That's exactly what I did. And I went to AA meetings because we didn't have OA meetings every day of the week. And I listened 
these are the people that had what I wanted. And, you know, at that time, I thought, you know, a year was a, a bloody miracle and it, because I couldn't do it for a day. And the day that I broke my, my abstinence, which was a meal, basically, and a binge, and it brought me back to living like an animal. And I remember going, I still remember walking in front of Views Markets in Burbank where I lived, and I was so embarrassed by that. Oh my God, I live in Burbank. There was no like media zone. You know, it wasn't like cool then. There were like little old ladies with blue hair live there, and me. And I had to live there because my job required me to live in a certain zip code range. It was a federal program I was working. It was funded by federal funds, and and so I ultimately lived in Toluca Lake. It was like one inch up. Burbank was here and Toluca Lake was here, so, you know, it became cool for me to look. I said, okay, I can live, I can live here. <laughs> this is my thinking, you know. I, the outside is so important to me, and, and I know that about me. You know, it, I don't let it control me to the extent that I'm aware of it. I get to learn these things about myself in this program by, by not eating and having the opportunity to look at myself, which I still love to run from. It's a lot easier to to look outside of myself to get fixed, to run to other people, to instead of to, to go to the paper and to write, or just to sit with the feelings. I still want to run. I don't run to food, but I want I run to other things. I, I was a shopper for years. I mean, just when my sponsor, Gene Smith, died, I don't think there's any, there are probably very few of you that remember Gene Smith, um, where I went after the funeral, and I gave the, I gave the, I did the whole thing, basically. There was 200 people in the room at, um, it was at, at, um, at Cedars, at, what was the name of that room in Cedars? Thalens, right. And I went shopping. I brought cakes over there for the people that wanted to eat them to, to the house, and then I went to Lowman's. You know, that's a good solution for your feelings. I just went and spent money. And I, I don't do that today. I spend money, but I don't do it quite in that order. Um, but just understanding what my old ideas are is really the, the, the basis of, of my recovery one day at a time and the way that I can live a joyful life. And, and that's definitely just as true today as it was 31 years ago. But starting with the, the food as a foundation, it's the very beginning of, of having the opportunity to live a happy, joyous, and free life. And, and so the obsession, I want to share another thing, is the obsession um, did not leave me for a long time. The obsession was switched. The channel went from food I couldn't eat that was no longer on my list. I want, I want to say one other thing. My abstinence has, has always been a yes abstinence. I was raised on the gray sheet. And so I ate gray sheet food for, I guess, a year and a half. It took me a year and a half to lose my weight from 180. I got down to 103, um, and then I got up to 106, 7, 8, and I'm, I'm above that now. That was definitely too thin. I saw I was in a 10K run race, and um, there was, they took a snapshot of me going over the finish line, and I went, oh, my God. That was just a, you know, a, skeleton, a real skeleton. And, but starting to eat a little bit more was very, very hard for me. Very difficult. It took years for me to just eat a couple of bites more because I was so terrified of going back to that the hell that I lived in. But back to the thinking. Um, that's that's what it's about. What was I talking about? There's a concept I was going to share with you. Words of wisdom. Um, yeah. That, thank you. That was it. 
The yes abstinence makes me feel good. I don't have to say that I don't eat. I did not say I don't eat blah, blah, blah anymore. Everything is everything on my sheet was, this is what I eat. And I walked around with this notepad in my purse. And I took it out many times a day because I would wake up in the morning after abstaining for months, and I would think I had a plate of brownies, which I never ate a plate of brownies. You have to, like, prepare them. Who's going to do that? I mean, I had to, like, when I was eating, I went to two or three bakeries on the way home from work, and I would binge in the car. Like, you know, if it's in the car, it doesn't count. Well, I knew it counted because when I looked in the mirror, I saw it. But, um, so it became a yes abstinence. It wasn't what I can't do, it's what I can do. And it made me feel really good. It's very empowering. And I think it, I don't know very much about psychic energy or, or anything about the body, the metabolism, but I believe that it has, that my cell structure actually changed because everything was yes. It was like, yes. It felt, yes feels good, no feels bad. So I didn't have to say no to myself. Saying actually no to um, going to the gym really felt good. I'll tell you that, though. Um, until I said yes. But it wasn't, uh, it took me a while to do that. And that, it all felt good. Everything that I did was for the purpose of building my foundation in this program and being able to do this one inch at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time. And eventually I took a candle for one year. And my sponsor stood up there, bless her heart, and she said to the room, if she can do it, anyone can. And, and I, that to me was a terrible offense. Today I go, well, whatever, you know, that's her opinion. Um, but I'm still here to tell the story. And I, I, writing is something I really believe in. Um, I've written thousands and thousands of pages of tent steps. And my first inventory was really not a legitimate inventory. It was just all this fret that was in my, my system that I had to let out, and I wrote gobs of 10 steps, and I called my sponsor twice a day. I called her every morning to turn in my food. I called her midday to tell her I was going to change it. There are big changes. Block, raw have broccoli instead of cauliflower. That was the kind of change I made. Um, whatever was uh, on my, uh, uh, one other thing I want to share with you is I shrunk my plates. Of course, I didn't use plates before. I didn't need, who needs a plate, you know, when you're binging out of control? Are you kidding me? But I found small plates. And so it made my food look bigger. All this stuff was important. It's all the psychology is really, to me, really important. It made me feel like, I, I like the feeling of abundance. And I like eating a lot. So I ate a lot of these vegetables that, from the Weight Watchers days, which was like, you know, 30, one and a half years ago, um, or I think they were called number three vegetables. It's a whole different world than Weight Watchers. I really don't care about it. It doesn't matter much to me, but you can eat. So I, I, I ate two cups of, of salad. Um, I just said to my, to my sponsor, if I can just get it on the plate and get it from the counter to the kitchen table, can we call it two cups? She said, sure. I said, great. So it could have been two and a half. Big deal. But I, I measured the salad dressing because the fats were what were going to really make a difference for me in terms of weight loss. And I also gave up the other concept was when I'm going to lose the weight. I let go of that idea that I had a deadline. I had to lose the weight by X date, like for an event or in a year or six months or the time frame of weight loss. I disposed of that idea. That seemed like another losing concept to me. Because if I'm doing this one day at a time for the rest of my life, 
it doesn't really matter when I lose my weight and how much I weigh is the other thing I let go of. I always had a goal weight. It was 115 pounds. And I thought 115 would be so cool. Well, I went below that. And most of these 31 years I've been below it. Actually, last week I was 115. I freaked out. Woo, that's a big number. I said, you know what? I like the way I feel. And I don't know what I weigh now, but um, last week was 115. That's the most I've weighed in many, many, many years. But I let go of the idea of the number. I said, as long as I'm eating the way that I believe is correct for me and for my body and for my mental health, because my emotional and my psychic and my spiritual health is very connected to the way that I eat and my com- how comfortable I am with that, then the weight, the number doesn't matter. And so I continued to eat this gray sheet abstinence and the weight kept coming off. And then I got down to skinny mini skeleton size and I had to um, start considering how am I going to eat a little bit more and not be really upset and freaked out and um, neurotic about it. And that I allowed myself to take a long time to do. I said, I don't have to do this overnight. I can't. I'm just going to eat. I started off with two two tablespoons of, of wheat, wheat germ. That was it. That was it. That's how I started off. It's, that's the level of my fear, that, the level of where my fear was. Today I eat moderately. If anyone told me that I could do this 31 years ago, I would tell them they were out of their minds. I was willing to eat gray sheet for the rest of my life until I was six feet under. It did not matter. It felt good. I felt clean. I felt clear. And I was still crazy as a loon emotionally. So things take different shapes and forms than you ever expect and anticipate. That's what I certainly learned in this program. Where I'm at today is in a really different space. Food is, is one day at a time. It's not an issue for me. I get on my knees every morning. I don't take it for granted. I want to let you know that. I don't take for granted that I'm going to have abstinence without working the steps and being an active member of this program after 31 years. I'm an active member. I do not plan to ever leave this program. And I'm committed for life to working this program because it has given me the life that I have today. And it, that's, my, that's my commitment. It's to myself and also to give back because I owe my life to the people in this program. And I, another thing I want to share, and I've heard this over the years, I'm kind of like spelling this mythology that circulates about diets and also the program. is like people get hurt feelings about someone hurts their feelings in a meeting. Um, I've heard people say different versions of that and much more eloquently and with a tremendous amount of anger, angst, and, and uh, energy behind it. I've never felt that way. I won't say never. No, I won't say never. Rarely have I ever felt any kind of um, uncomfortability in a meeting. Um, My feeling has been that we're all on the same team. We're all here to recover. We're all here because we're compulsive overeaters. We're all part of the family of OA. I'm Barbara, and I'm a compulsive overeater. That's my last name. And we're all here, no matter what you say to me that may hurt my feelings, they get hurt sometimes, sometimes more than not, sometimes not at all. I believe that you really want me to recover life. I want everyone here to have a happy, joyous, and free life. And, and number one, freedom from the obsession of compulsive overeating. 
That's, that's our purpose here. That's our primary purpose, and I really have always embraced it. And I never felt I had to leave a meeting because of something going on with personalities. And because I really have always, I believe that we're all part of the same team. And, and that's, I, I hang out with really the 12 traditions. I mean, that's our primary purpose. That's what we're here, we're here for. And then there's, that's the physical recovery. That's the first leg of the journey. But accompanying that is emotional and spiritual recovery. And I kind of had to do it all at the same time. Um, I couldn't just be abstinent and have the physical without working on the emotional right away as ASAP, like from the get-go. I wrote 10 steps because I am really neurotic and I have raging feelings about stuff and people hurt my feelings. It could be at work. It could be with my fiancé. It could be... I have a fiancé. It's very cool. We have issues, but um, I've never been this far in a relationship. It's really quite remarkable. Um, to write about my feelings and to, to, to look at myself and what's going on and then to share it with someone else. Now, I will say that I'm not doing as much sharing with someone else. I used to do it every single day, and um, the world isn't like that. At least my life isn't. But for me to sit down and to look at what I'm feeling and to dig a little deeper and to ask myself questions, um, that's really an important part of the process. And it's something I really re need to renew because when I do my 10 steps, I, I do the anger. I get the anger out. Blah, blah, blah about people. Whoever it is, it's bugging me at the moment. And and to, I, need to, I need to go back and to re-energize my 10-step work. I'm saying that because it's really important. And I get the most value when I'm doing a 10-step from the perspective of questioning myself. That when I, after I get the anger out, which is always the first layer, and I get to the hurt feelings, and I, got, I have to start looking at why. What is going on inside of me? What am I thinking? Why is what, what am I thinking that led me to that feeling? Until I find an answer and I find some sense of serenity. Oftentimes I'll just go halfway and then I'll want to get on the phone and get fixed. And I will say that that is really a defect of character because I still want to take the easier, softer way out. And I'll say the cell phone is part of that. You know, I can always get on the phone and, and so many of us are, are connected. Technology connects us to anyone, anywhere, any time of day, anywhere in the world, and it's very easy to, to escape and to run away from, for, from ourselves. And But I didn't need a cell phone. I ran away from myself before cell phones were here because it doesn't really matter. But I, getting back in touch with myself is really, really critical. What's going on in my life now is there's been a lot of changes. What's the time? Twenty more minutes? Are you kidding me? <laughs> in this last two weeks, there's been a lot of um, shifting in my life. I had been in therapy with someone for five years, and due to a series of, of events, I decided to very abruptly end that therapy. And I've just had a lot of feelings about it, and I'm feeling a tremendous amount of loss and sadness over losing, leaving this relationship, completely my decision, a complete surprise. I had not planned on it. I'm someone who's been in, was led to therapy because I was labeled anorexic at the age of 16, and that's when I first started going to a therapist. So I've spent a good part of my life in various types of therapy with 
PhDs, with MDs, psychiatrists, with, very briefly, no, actually I don't think I've had a psychiatrist. I've had most of them, the whole gamut of, from clinical to MFCCs and everything in between. And have found a tremendous amount of value um, in doing that. That's not part of this program. That's just my story. And ending a relationship so abruptly, really, I've got just a lot of the residual stuff about it. And I start, went to see someone different today, which is a completely different approach that she takes, which is really what I'm, I'm looking for. But what I know today is that, that I am, I'm looking to find my own voice. And I very often subjugate myself to others uh, in my relationship with the man I love and in my, in my office with the people that I, I, we have a whole different management team as of January 1st in my department. And for a long time I was working under the, 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 the thumb of an alcoholic who um, was sweet and wonderful with a knife behind her back and I never knew when she was going to, you know, stab me in the back. And she is in another part of the company now and the people that are, the, the woman who's running the department and the, the new configuration in the department I'm really, really pleased with. But I still have myself as a common denominator. And that is a people pleaser. It's someone who wants to jump over backwards and to do something before you anticipate it. And what an example of that is I found this great book on ethics. I'm in my, my um, field, now ethics is finally a required course. Good. You know, I'm not a CPA or an attorney, um, but whatever. You know, they fall pretty low on the list if you're looking at, you know, studies that we've done in terms of how people feel about these professions. But um, I'm an, in an insurance broker, and so we're below mecha auto mechanics. We're down there on the bottom. Um, and I, I told this woman about this book, and I, before she goes, oh, you know, I'd like to see it. I said, great. Next thing I said is, I, I'll buy you a copy. And so I'd already bought one, and, I, and the first thing I did actually was I gave it to her without even reading it. I gave her the book. So I, I, I thought about that over last weekend. I said, what, what, what did I do? So I went into her office, and I said, you know, I, I would like to read your book. Give me the book back. Here. Give. I said, I'll go buy you one. So I put another burden on myself. It's like, what kind of a trade-off is that? I was not taking care of myself. And like, she won in both instances, and she really could care less. So the name of the game is really about me. It's like I bring myself to every relationship. Every relationship, every experience with another person. And that's what I eat over, you guys. I mean, I eat over relationships with people and with myself. And getting myself into trouble because of my low self-esteem, where I think I need to that I'm not okay just standing here. And you know, what I've known in this program and my better moments is that I'm okay and I am enough. That I don't have to change. There's not one thing I need to change about myself. And I don't need to, get to be fixed. I said to this therapist this morning, um, she said, you've never been married or something like that. And I said, you know, in that area, I'm, re I'm really broken. I just said flat out, I'm broken. And she said, that's a strong statement. I said, you're right. I don't think it's true. <laughs> I'm not. There's nothing broken about me. And there's, I don't believe there's anything broken about any one of us in this room. And But getting in touch with that and really owning my own power, who 
I am is really enough and okay. My feelings are okay. And it's terrifying for me to share them with people, the ones that are the most important to me. I don't need to share them with everyone else. I used to think I did. I don't need to do that. There's very, very few people I need to share my feelings with. And and I get really stuck. It's really, really frightening for me to do that because I think, I'm afraid that he will judge me. And you know what? He does sometimes. And and it gets to be okay. It's, It's really, it's not my problem if someone has a judgment about something I did. It's really not my problem. And I, I think at this moment that it's about me really really being okay with me. That It's okay for you to have a different opinion. And it's okay for you to disagree with me. And it's okay for you to, to be who you are and for me to be who I am and for us to be together. This is something new. I'm, I'm kind of working on this. <laughs> this is like a work in progress. And, and really, that's what this program really is for me, though, is it gives me an opportunity to, to to really look at myself and to work on myself and, and to have a lot of fun at the same time. It's not drudgery all the time. Sometimes it is. I will say that when I'm having a conflict with someone or I get upset with myself because I did something I didn't want to do, like this, this episode at work. I, I beat myself up. I said, dude, you know, you, what kind of self-esteem or do you have doing that? I mean, what is she going to think of you? Well, the most important person that you know that really matters is what I think of me. And I get to take corrective action. I get to do something different and say, okay, you don't need to do that next time. You can keep your mouth shut and say, you know, if you're, if you, after I'm done reading the book, you can borrow it. What a concept. But when I'm feeling vulnerable and I want to please someone, and she's not my boss, my boss is a CEO, but she still has a lot of influence on the people that do work for me. Um, it's really important for me to, to value myself. And I believe that the 12 steps and the 12 traditions give me an opportunity to do that. And through the vehicle of, of exploring my feelings and getting to know myself better, and not running away from me. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm really, I'm still a runner after all this time. I still want to run. I want to just run away and say, okay, this doesn't happen, I'm out of here. And I don't really want to live that way. And owning my feelings and being okay with them and not making everything a capital offense or a really, you know, high drama, which I certainly have a lot of experience doing that. I don't want, I don't live that way anymore either. Um, I don't need to walk around talking about my feelings all the time. It's really, really, really boring and really self-centered. I just started watching um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm kind of hooked on it. And Larry David, I, my God, you know, self-centered? I didn't, I never watched Seinfeld. This is the guy who created it. And it's just, it's really hilarious watching him. And I, I don't feel like, a, I don't feel bad at all about being a little bit self-centered next to this guy. And, but it's also very amusing. I find it really funny. Anyway, I um, I don't really know what else to share, you guys. I'm just standing up here and having a chat on with you. Um, is there a question and answer period that's part of this? You're welcome to do that if you 
do that because because I want to. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. If anybody has any questions, yes. I didn't talk about the spiritual recovery here. I just got off of that. Ten more. Okay. Okay. I have a really good spiritual program. Is that enough? No. I'm kidding. Um, it was really piecemeal. What, what is, um, she wanted to ask me about my spiritual program. When I came into the program, I thought that this is really kind of a weird place. People said prayers. It was in a church. Meetings were in churches. I'm Jewish. Um, they held hands. It, it was just really kind of weird to me. And, but, you know, I was a hippie. So, you know, hippies did cool things. And I thought, well, you know, Holding hands is okay, and they say this prayer. I'm not going to say a prayer. I won't do that, but I'll hold everyone's hands. You know, that's, that's okay. I'll hold hands with this person and that person. That'll be okay. And, and so I started really, really slowly, and my, my, developing my spiritual program was very piecemeal. Um, I didn't buy the books right away. And then when I bought them, I didn't read them. You know, I didn't understand. The big book was like, oh, okay, I had it at home. It was just a book on the bookshelf. Um, I only read it when I was told to read a certain page. And so I started reading page 86, 87, and 88 um, 31 years ago. And I still do that most mornings. I read that before I eat. My, I, I get down on my knees, and um, I started doing that many years ago. Jewish, Jewish, it doesn't matter to me. I'm Jewish. Okay, I still get on my knees, and I surrender to God. And actually, there's something in, at Yom Kippur where you actually do this. So it suddenly became legitimate after years of feeling kind of a little you know, funny about it. But it's always worked for me. Um, after I say my first set of prayers, I go into the, the shower. This is, this is my ritual thing. This is what I do. Um, and I say the steps. And then I read... One, two, one or two of, of the books, the big book or the 12 and 12 and a, another one of the 24-hour day type of books. Um, the 24-hour day type of books, um, the first one was called 24 Hours a Day. It's an AA book. And it was on the, the literature table. And for months, people were telling me I should pick the book up. And I kept saying, what would a book know about me today? This is the most ridiculous concept. Like, there's one passage for every day. Like, this makes no sense. How would the book know? So it was in October 1975. I opened up the book, and I went, oh, my God. The book knows me. So I bought the book. So that's really how I've, I've um, addressed the spiritual part of this program. And, um, and that's how I've, I've developed a relationship with God as well. And... Um, sometimes it's stronger than others. It, 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 sometimes it's very strong, and sometimes it is not strong. And I, I don't remember God, and I don't want to talk to God. But most of the time, it's pretty, pretty good. And I, I, there's a couple of prayers I want to share with you. I'm glad you brought that up because I sort of left that out of the equation, which is the most important part of this equation here, and this three-pronged stool of physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery. And that is that. There's a couple of these prayers are from the Old Testament, and I did say these on the way here, and um, I use this when I'm going into meetings and I'm afraid of whatever's going to happen, or I have to speak, or I, I have I'm anticipating something uncomfortable, and that is, God, I pray that you put the words in my mouth I need to say to please both me and you. May the words in my mouth and the spirit in my heart be acceptable to you, dear Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
goes, whenever I say that, I, whatever the fear is that I have that I have projected into the next half hour or hour with whoever I'm going to be meeting with, and oftentimes it's been work-related, all I know is that all of a sudden I go, oh, that wasn't so bad. Oh, you know, that, what was I so afraid of? But I had built it up in my mind to be a huge obstacle speaking to that individual. And when I don't say the prayer, very often that's exactly what happens. I have an obstacle in my path, and it's me. So the prayer gets me out of the way. I channel God. God, I speak God, I ask God to speak through me, basically, and every, everything goes really much better. So that's a little bit about my spiritual program. of 
my fiance's dessert on occasion. I've, I've had, I had a dessert in Hawaii in September. I mean, I can tell you when I've had desserts. It was about 12 years before that, or maybe 15 that I had another one. I don't really, I know, I, I just don't eat them. Um, occasionally, I, I, and I had, I had something, yeah. So I don't really eat them very often. It's, quite, it's an unusual thing for me to eat a dessert. So that's it.